Shalom, and thank you for listening to Progressively Jewish, the podcast where you can connect and explore Judaism through a progressive Jewish lens. In this episode, we are delighted to welcome Rabbi Pete Tobias of the Elstree Liberal Synagogue, Rabbi Tanya Sachnovich of Nottingham Liberal Synagogue, and Rabbi Maddie Kirschenbaum of Bromley Reform Synagogue. Welcome to Progressively Jewish Podcast, and I'm delighted to have two rabbis by my side. Rabbi Peter Tobias, who's been celebrating his 30 years in the rabbinate, and Rabbi Marty Kirschenbaum, the first Polish rabbi since... The fall of communism. The, yes, the era of communism, and he's been ordained three weeks ago. Welcome. Three weeks, 30 years, no difference. Well, we will see now when we will be answering the questions. So I would like to talk to you about prayer. And I've got several questions to ask. The first question is, why do we pray? Okay, um, if I may begin. I think that prayer is, is a, it's a basic human instinct and one that has become, I guess, less popular in these days because we've come, become so detached from those instincts, I mm. think. Uh, hundreds, thousands even of years ago when human beings were uh, very vulnerable to all the various vicissitudes of, of nature and understood absolutely nothing about the world around them. It was just a constant series of, of threats and dangers and then relief from those dangers. Everything was, they believed, dependent on forces outside of themselves and therefore they cultivated a belief that if you could communicate in some way with whatever those forces or that force was, you could somehow influence it to uh, change these various occurrences that were happening, whether it be to do with the weather, whether it be to do with um, the production of food, whether it to do be to do with human health. And it was a very different kind of prayer, I think, to the thing that we, we envisage now when we say prayer. Mm. But it was, but in fact, there were some similarities as well. And there are actually, if you want to be very technical and boring about it, four different types of prayer in uh, the human experience. And if I can remember the, the complicated words, these are um, uh, gratitude, which isn't that long a word, gratitude, um, request, petitionary, that's the word, petitionary, mm. um, penitentiary potential which is and doxological okay those are the four and they are basically to to simplify those it's it's uh, please thanks wow and oops so a please prayer is when you're asking for something a thanks prayer is when you're saying thank you for something a uh, oops prayer is when you're saying sorry for something you've done wrong and a wow prayer which i think are the most interesting ones is just when you are acknowledging how astonishing and amazing the world around you is and that I think is, and, and the, the other three, the first three, I think we've kind of lost touch with. We don't say please to God for something. We don't ask for a harvest, which is what our ancestors used to do, or for the weather to be nice or whatever it might be. Because we are now so scientifically aware that the forces that produce the weather, the forces that in, enable health and enable us to recover right. from illness are very much in human control. So the idea of praying to God for these things is, is absurd. And therefore, by extension, thanking God for their arrival seems equally 
are unnecessary on our part. And similarly, we don't so much have this idea of guilt, which is one of the basic functions of religion, is to make you feel bad and then encourage you to apologise for it and uh, derive power. We have our mothers from... for that. Well, exactly. <laughs> we have plenty of, other, plenty of other sources of that out there. But there isn't that need to say sorry either. This sense that if I've done something and I say sorry for it, somehow I'll be forgiven, isn't really a part of our modern 21st century liberal understanding either. Mm. But the wow piece, the idea of this prayer that isn't really a prayer, just an appreciation, I think it's something that we could really do well to, to reconnect with. When I talk to uh, young children in, in school classrooms about nature of prayer and I ask them do any of you pray and about three will put their hands up and say yes and I say you know, well do you sort of kneel down at the end of the bed and put your hands together and close your eyes and talk to God they say yeah that's what I do uh, and I say okay well how many of you let's say it's the school holidays um, the first day of the holidays you you look out the window um, the sun is shining it's a brilliant day you're gonna have a good chance to get out in the park and play with your mates you know it's going to be a good day uh how many of you think yeah great and they all say yeah we do i say well that's a prayer okay that is a form of prayer to say to express that appreciation and recognize that the world is and can be a wonderful place and that is also a, a form of prayer that we have lost touch with completely as human beings i think we just take so much for granted and mm. i think that's a another really important part of the whole thing um I don't think that reading words from books really cuts it anymore as prayer. I think that that's, that's a, a particular form of prayer. This is a, that's a fairly recent invention because, of course, it used to be sacrificing animals was the way mm. of praying, that you would take something that had been given to you uh, and prepare it for God in a particular way and basically send it back again mm. as a meal for God. So that was a very direct uh, visual representation of... of expressing your feelings or demonstrating your um, emotions to the divine power that you believe was up in the sky. And words in books replaced that once sacrifice stopped being part of Jewish prayer. But I, don't, I think we've come to another place now where we maybe need something else to replace the words in the book. I don't mm. think it's enough anymore. Mm. Well, thank you very much. I can connect with uh, appreciation, prayer of appreciation, because I actually start praying every morning and express my gratitude Nothing for fun. everything what, what we have. And it, I find it a very powerful tool to start your morning with a prayer. It's, it, it depends. I think the word prayer itself has kind of got a bit loaded and, and there's this sense that if a prayer means you must have a, 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 it must have a destination, there must be a something, a figure listening to the prayer to make mm. it work. Um, and often it requires a response, neither of which is true. Mm. No, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. I think that prayer in itself, you know, as a, as a noun is maybe a bit confusing because I, I much prefer to refer to prayer in its Hebrew uh, way by using a verb to pray, lehit palel which is a reflexive verb, which so, so it doesn't assume a, a destination that is different than who we are. So prayer effectively becomes an exercise in self-examination and in self-growth. So prayer doesn't need necessarily need to, to have an external external destination. I do feel that to, to a large extent that it very much reflect, reflects where we are as progressive Jews with the idea of God. 
so if people ask me if I believe in a in a God that that receives our prayer, you know, as a force somewhere in the sky, mm. I say, well, I don't know, but on most days it's not the idea of God that I find resonant with me. But if we define God as a still little voice in our head that tells us to be grateful or tells mm. us to express uh, love or uh, makes us really appreciate what we have, then then really th this is God. This is still little mm. voice that that can be fostered by self-examination. This can be prayer. I think I agree with Pete. Well, it's hard to disagree with all the four types of prayer, but I, I, I do believe that there is some, there is some need for bakashot, so the for the prayers asking for something, the please prayers in our life, mm. uh, and most people don't recognize this need, but then uh, I call it the theology of the uh, of the uh, hospital ward for children, for very sick children. So people who who would never pray, ever pray to God for anything, you know, definitely not for harvest, definitely not for business opportunities because they can do their elevator pitch themselves. Uh, they do pray when they when they encounter something that is larger than ourselves. And I think, and I think in this in this fight, uh, as it were, between prayer and progress. Progress mm -hmm. has has made you know literally great progress, great leaps and bounds in progress, and it has limited, it has limited our uh, seemingly our need for prayer, and then come th things that are that are still beyond our human control, uh, so things like COVID, and they make us realize actually, we c we have made enormous strides and we are so advanced, but there are still things that we can't properly control and and our progress is more fragile than we ever thought so i actually do feel that this this year uh some of the prayers that that normally during high holidays we would think you know are pretty antiquated you you know who who by fire who by water who by who by, who by plague in the jewish community of all the death rates from COVID this year sounds very different because we realize that we mm. we are no, not as far away from these prayers as we thought we were yeah it's an interesting point marty thank you uh i actually think that the prayers or re requests are m much more popular than you think because often people come to prayer as the last tool in whatever available for them in order to fix a problem in their life and I think that's often when people turn to prayer when there is nothing else left in their life if they've got a serious illness if they've, they've got you know big tragedy happen in their family people often turn to prayer as the last um, uh, you know last resort well, I think that's why I think it's about control, isn't it? There are certain mm. things, in, as you said, that are just beyond our control, and, and every now and then we bump into them. And when somehow, suddenly, you, you have lost that power to control the effect of what's, or to be able to affect what's going on. And that's where you think, you, why is it that the majority of people will never have anything to do with religion until someone dies, then suddenly they're all there? I mean, it's really, you know, there has to be a certain way of doing things. Absolutely. Um, and I think, but I think there's a difference still between prayer and just kind of acknowledging the, something beyond us. And I think mm. that, that So what, what is that difference? Is it like Kavanaugh? I don't think it's so much, I don't think it's intent. to do with, with, with the sort of the, the atmosphere that you create. The intensity? No. I think it's just... I think that the appreciation thing is a really big part, and mm. as, as
Matthew said that it's a kind of that it, it's we trigger off something internal when we when mm. we when we're praying in a particular way. Mm. And there was a one one rabbi, an American rabbi, who, who I've quoted before, but I can't remember his name. That prayer is not a petition to God; it is a sermon to oneself. Mm. And if you see prayer as a kind of a of a of a learning experience, as a, as a an encounter with your own self and your own opinions and your own prejudices, even and and shortcomings, mm. and recognizing that you there's something you can do to to improve your relationship with the world and the community and those around you, mm. then that's actually a much more important kind of prayer mm. than asking for something impossible. I really agree with this and I feel that you know that ultimately uh, it's about uh, it's about knowing yourself and you know many synagogues uh, many synagogues put on their on their above the ark delif nemi ata omed know before whom you stand and in to my be synagogue, and, and to and to be quite honest uh, also in my synagogue and to be quite honest I always think that that uh, that people read it but they misread it because it's it's less. I feel that it's less about who who is stand in front of you know as in God because we we can't uh, comprehend God anyway and God is not talking to us. But we can through prayer we can, and ritual we can find out who who is that we are standing in front of you know. So literally see our reflection in the mirror or mental mirror and take stock who we are and who our fellow congregants are. So prayer is. In, is a chance of encounter so I think there is this communal aspect of, of prayer also of showing up for for others and you know and this theology of presence which is which is why COVID has been uh, such a difficult experience for many because many people are coming there because they want to see their friends and they and particularly for 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 part of the for for part of the demographic, it is simply what they do. They kind of they check in with each other uh, every month, every every week. It's a week, social opportunity as well to, for people. Just coming Absolutely. to prayer, but also yeah. supporting each other, showing that you know we, we are on a certain journey of a certain stage of of one's life journey together. Be it you know as parents who mm. come to Haider and bring their children to Haider, mm. or as B'nai Mitzvah students, or uh, people coming to you know to the social club for mm. seniors. So it's all about supporting each other, you know, on a certain stage of one's journey. Absolutely, but there is something about communal prayer which was recognized even by the rabbis, like when the minion was introduced. Well, that basically, was a, yeah. I mean, that was its purpose. That was the basis of it. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember uh, a couple of months ago, or six weeks or so ago, when they first opened religious buildings and said that religious buildings can open for individual worship, and all rabbis and all synagogue <laughs> authorities knew that was a complete waste of time. Because Jews don't come to synagogues for individual worship; they Absolutely. come to synagogues to talk to each other. That's I right. Mean, that's what they're or there to for. pray together. Uh, yeah, to yeah, but be just together. to be as a community. As so a community. It, it made absolutely had absolutely no impact on synagogues, most of which are still have the doors firmly shut. Because unless and until we can have a, a sensible sized congregation in there, yeah. there's no point opening the doors. Yeah. Um, and and I think that that's a really important part of the whole thing. And one of the interesting factors and I think this speaks more to the maybe to even to the young people question about what do we do about them because they don't have that same sense of wanting to be part of community mm. uh, they have lots of other communities of which they're part that's and right and, and a religious community is not the the focal point for their um, social connections as it is for the older generation but I think that the opportunities that have been made available to us during COVID, when everybody has been um, 
basically stuck in their own homes. The online stuff, which obviously reaches out to a younger audience anyway, because they're more conversant with that uh, particular computer language and, and accessing it more readily than the older generation, they have found in this kind of shapeless time that we've lived in for the last several months, where there's every day has felt the same and the stuff at home, to have that opportunity to connect with others in the community online in whatever form it takes. I mean, I've been running a Facebook service every night for, since lockdown started. And, Which is amazing. And joining up with different bits of the community just through the conversations that they're having online with each other while I'm busy reading and singing. They're busy talking about cheesecake or haircuts or whatever in the column. But the connection is extraordinary. And when it stopped, I brought it to an end about a week ago. And the people are missing it. I'm missing it too. Um, but I, Why did I, you stop it? I stopped it because... I just thought it, I'm planning to do something else. Once we start, we're doing an L thing, which will be a bit more focused on spirituality rather than cheesecake. Um, and it just, I felt it had got a bit weary. I was weary. Mm, and I was absolutely. Beginning, yeah, I think yeah. it was that. It takes but a it, lot it will come, you. you know, if, if we have another spike, which they're telling us we're going to have in the winter, it'll come back again. Mm, I agree. I think that, that you know, that. Uh, it really has taken many people on a journey, and I think uh, not necessarily just young people, uh, but no. also the the elderly has been very have been uh, very active in on this journey. But I think that that some people who would never have come to uh, to prayers has be, have been attending prayers um, on a very regular basis when we offer them online, and I can see it in I can see it in Bromley, where in many in many ways. Uh, among the demographics, uh, demographics between let's say 25 and, and 50, uh, the participation in all kinds of educational activities and and in services has has increased enormously during mm -hmm. uh, COVID. COVID. Uh, particularly if you if you are a community that is very much a community scattered on a on a large area, not mm -hmm. in, like Northwest London communities, people who normally would not have driven to the synagogue for a 45 minutes Kabbalat Shabbat prayer and driven back. Uh, when we are offering a Friday night ritual, it's not a full prayer, but it's you know a couple of uh, songs and kiddush and a check-in. Yeah. Uh, loads of families are checking in and literally doing kiddush with us and then checking in with other fellow families. So it has created a real sense of community, which community, yeah. which we haven't had before to this extent. So, oh, that's so, so we already know that some of the forms of you know COVID induced spirituality will stay with us and actually engage people with prayer or with ritual in general. Mm, that's lovely. That's, no, that's really that's good to know. True. And I think that it makes the way forward to be quite interesting as well because I think it's given people a, a sense of an extra dimension uh, that they weren't aware of and, and also a, a kind of a reality check on what prayer is because there's always this sense, not that there's always, there's often a sense that only a certain type of person wants to pray mm. and that you have to have these preconceptions of what God is and where God is in order to be able to pray to him which is usually the perception and that's completely changed that whole dynamic but actually it's not about that at all it's about being together with others with similar thoughts and having a chance just to take time out of what is becoming a more and more um, lengthy period of time in terms of the days that just drag on mm. take time out of each day just to be able to connect with something a bit more mm important and a bit more focused and I, I think I agree with you Pete and I think this aspect of, of marking time has become very important because I feel that many of us 
beforehand, many of us as Jews, uh, living outside of the climatic zone where Israel is located. All this sense of, you know, the, of time passing you know, and the agricultural calendar was completely foreign to us. You know, either living in a city center or in suburbia where you don't really experience you know, nature changing that much because, because you're busy. Maybe you experience it in your garden, your garden, but before you know it, the, the autumn is all on us. And I think right now when we spend so much time and, you know, a local park became our best friend, suddenly we became much more aware of, uh, of nature and the nature around us. And even though the nature, you know, uh, that we experience here in the UK is not the nature of Israel, but we became much more attuned, you know, to, to, to the changes in our local park because this is the reality that we, that we converse with and we engage with, you know, daily. While we used to change, you know, our landscape uh, and we could pick and choose what landscape we found ourselves in. Right now, we are much more attuned to subtle changes, you know, in our in the immediate environment. Around. Absolutely. And it means that also we are more attuned with ourselves and that's why prayer becomes much more important. But can I ask you just the last question, both of you? It's, it's wonderful that we sort of highlighted the importance of prayer, particularly now during the epidemics of, of COVID. But the question which I would like to finish with is about prayer in this particular time of the months of Elul, which is approaching, about to start. Is or do you think that prayer is important at this particular time of a lull before the High Holy Days? Um, I think that because the High Holy Days, for all sorts of reasons, still hold such a place in, in the, the hearts, the minds, the, the collective memories, if you like, of so many Jews, that it's such an important time uh, that preparation for it, which Elul requires, and mm. well, not so much requires, but provides an opportunity for, uh, is is one that should be taken advantage of, and in the current context, where there isn't much else going on, I, I think it becomes a very useful and fruitful opportunity for people to just take that time to reflect and prepare for these times of, uh, I guess, deeper reflection that lie ahead during the high holy days themselves. So I think the more that we can focus, we as as rabbis and teachers can encourage people to to take start to take those inner journeys, if you like, toward mm. into themselves, the, the, the better job we're doing and the more chance we're giving them to prepare properly and more fully for those high holy days. So, yeah. Thank you very much, Pete and Marty. What I think you say? I fully agree. I think that this is a very special allure because we have more time freed from commute and commutes and so on. We have more time to take stock of who we are. and We will be taking stock of who we are in lockdown, you know, m many of us anyway. So right now, when when come holiday, high holidays come with their with this call to, uh, to to take stock and to reflect, we have already done some groundwork, you know, in the last couple of months. So we can build on it, and prayer can definitely play play, play and play a role in that. Uh, and uh, why not use it? And but it doesn't have to be prayer, as you know, reciting words by rote. It can be just listening to to Adon Hasdichot in the musical version of it that you one finds particularly. Uh, moving that uh, that induces somebody to reflect, or uh, reading poetry, anything anything that 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 is able to motivate us to confront with something bigger than ourselves and uh, motivate us to grow and question and examine ourselves is prayer. So the, in this sense, you know, we are all doing a lot of praying and maybe do even more praying and even more exploratory praying in a lull. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rabbi Pete Tobias and Rabbi Mati Kashenbaum, for this very interesting and deep discussion and conversation. And I hope to see you again.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi Pete, Rabbi Tanya, and Rabbi Maddie. And thanks to Liberal Judaism, Reform Judaism, and Laobet College for supporting Progressively Jewish. In our next episode, we're excited to be introducing Rabbi Igor Zinkov of the Liberal Jewish Synagogue and Rabbi Laura Jenner Klausner, Senior Rabbi of Reform Judaism. Thank you.